Is this thing on? That's right. That's a big improvement from last week. That's right. I always say carving and coffee. So. Well, it's not in order of priorities, apparently. That's right. Truth be told, I'm drinking tea anyway. Hey, that's something we have in common. Tea and carving. That sounds, doesn't that sound significantly lamer? Very much so. I could never do that. That would be uh I don't know, it kind of takes the notch out of your manhood, doesn't it? Yeah, it makes you feel as though the show would be comprised of two old women talking about their sons. That, well, that said, it could be a cultural thing, too, because the English have no problem with their tea time. You're right. It's a North American bias, I think. It's true. Well, let's just leave that alone. How about <laughs> it? <laughs> what have you been up to? Oh, what haven't I been up to? everything um i've been carving like a madman I, I i had an art show last weekend and i've been you know kind of locked up in the shed making as much art as i possibly can for it and you know i sold the better part of what i brought and so i've got another one this weekend and this uh i won't say who because i'm not allowed to yet but this sports team reached out and said hey can you carve us a a staff for this new uh, promo that we're doing. We're, we're doing a bunch of stuff and doing some brand stuff and we need it by Sunday. And so I gave them an estimate, they accepted it. And so I have to get that done before the art show, which kind of throws a wrench in my uh, productivity. Uh, this is a big, a big team. It's a big team. It's an NFL team. Oh, wow. Okay. So I asked him for clearance today if I could talk about it because I wanted to, but, and he said, you know, maybe not yet. You can allude to it, but. There you go. All right. Well then we'll, uh, we'll wait and see. Of course I know about, well, I know nothing of NFL. So. Me either. I didn't even know it was a team. <laughs> We're terrible. Oh, the guys will be hating us. I don't follow the only sports I follow on, uh, even on the internet is just fighting like UFC. I don't, oh, follow, really? I don't follow hockey or nothing. So, huh? But yeah. So what about you? What have you been up to? Well, I did a big, uh, family camp long weekend. That's right. Took a wife and actually only one daughter. So then, uh, she brought a friend. So, uh, it was great. It was, all these uh it's a family camping it wasn't nothing crazy and wild and uh these campgrounds they always do like a christmas in july so this weekend was their halloween huh so an early halloween so the kids got all dressed up and they trick-or-treated tent to tent and trailer to trailer and uh yeah they had little parties and a haunted trail and stuff so yeah, it was pretty good that's cool yeah just to close it up close it off and then the next day everyone's back in school on tuesday so yeah that's really what i've been up to haven't done much of anything else just got to do some carving and uh some uh, a little bit of kayaking and stuff but uh, otherwise just a relaxing weekend 
Well, that's good. We yeah. never grew up camping when I was young, and uh, it was only probably uh, when we moved out to the country and I started, you know, camping in the backyard. I ever had a camping experience, but I imagine it's a good thing for the kids. You know, you get to take them out and experience, you know, family in the wilderness. What it might have been like to live in the frontier, you know? Yeah. Well, to be fair, this is a campground. <laughs> <laughs> this, wasn't, this wasn't too wild like we brought bikes right <laughs> oh gosh okay yeah yeah we brought bikes there's you know there's probably i don't know 300 people there so yeah yeah the french trappers didn't have bicycles did they no no and they didn't happen to wander through the wilderness while we were there either it was just uh <laughs> just campers weekend campers I bet there were some kids that thought you were an old French trapper, huh? Yeah, I got some looks. The uh, it was fun. I was going to dress up just by putting a toque on and uh, call myself lumberjack. Yeah, for real. Yeah. But then you realized you already played the part without trying. That's right. Oh dear. So, what uh, I want to talk to you about these art shows. Oh yeah. Tell me, tell me uh, the whole, I have no zero, uh, okay. I know nothing of art shows. Right. Are, is this art shows as in like true art or is this like compared to a craft fair or is this yeah. actually like an art show? Yeah. Well, the big difference is the jury and the juried art shows are the ones that you want to be involved in if you're going to try and sell artwork, you know, higher end artwork. Uh, they just they they do a better job of of getting people who want to buy art there, and they they think it really has to do with the process of getting good artists. And they jury, and so they they don't let the crafty folks in. They just kind of try and keep it to a higher end of 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 art. And it's a simple process. You you can do it through the internet. You know the different application websites that you can post your booth and the carvings that you make or artwork, various jewelers, painters, photographers, sculptors of all kinds show up and usually set up in a, either in a city or a park and it goes for a weekend and folks walk through and you can see turnouts of, you know, 250,000 people at some of these really high-end shows and it's a good time. Oh, wow. So when you say jury, that just means you have to be chosen to be part of. Is that what? Yeah. 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 Okay. There's, wow. a panel of, there's a panel of a few people and I've done it a couple of, well, once actually once before for our uh, biggest art show here in Michigan called the Ann Arbor Art Fair. And it was uh, sitting around for three hours with endless coffee, staring at pictures and going, eh, yeah, like that that's pretty cool or that's awful and uh i'm the worst at it i'd be like a movie critic who likes everything so i just thought oh that's neat we should let him in and everyone was kind of looking at me like what are you talking about that's a popsicle stick with a face drawn on it it's like <laughs> so i'm not the greatest but now in the in the uh so in the world of art shows how many wood carvers would be part of that well, it's increased. I've, uh, I don't, you know, I won't claim to have any uh, significant impact, but I, I will say that there are a couple of folks who have seen me doing it at Arts and Apples, this particular fair that I'm going to this weekend, who 
who weren't there and saw me doing it and started doing it. So, but really maybe only a handful, maybe, I mean, out of everyone, you know, if you include the spoon carvers, there are probably five or six booths out of 300 or 400 booths that are. Yeah. That's what I figured it'd be smaller. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, now, so that's the, uh, so spoon carvers are considered artists then. Yeah. At this art show, they, uh, they, they lump them in for some odd reason. <laughs> uh, no diss to the spoon carvers of course only kidding but but no that's uh that's interesting because uh yeah i didn't i can see more of the uh wood sculpture over the like you carve mostly faces and whatnot yeah. is there right. a bunch of like crazy sculpture kind of wood carvings or is it all uh similar to what you do or well, there's a couple of guys that do figurative stuff. There's a guy, I can't remember his name now. I think it's something Harriet, but he does a lot of faces and mostly he sells these bottle stoppers or, or uh, sorry, wine yep. stoppers. Yeah, it's little heads carved in the top. Oh, so that's a, like a character carver even. Yeah, he's a caricature guy, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Cool. So, so yeah, that's, but most of it's, you know, stuff that, you know you'd kind of think of if you thought of fine art like painting and photography and a lot of jewelers man endless jewelers jewelers yeah. everywhere. so what's the uh, what's the draw that you would want to be there as opposed to selling yourself uh online is it just exposure um well i guess it's good to do both i think the exposure is good at art shows you get you know thousands of people walking through and they can watch you demonstrate in person that's nice and you get your your kind of collector base that likes to show up to those events they like the the feeling of getting out on a weekend and perusing through the 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 nice park and seeing the various artists and buying their usual art from their usual artists and so the, it's a it's it's definitely uh it can be lucrative um i think ultimately you know it's hard to be one of these guys who does the 80 shows a year i've never right. done that but those guys are my peers and they they work so hard i mean they're constantly on the road but yeah. they make so, a, a lot of money so. so i can see what you just said there so the, the clientele like you said collectors so you're yeah. talking about people that don't bat an eye at your exorbitant prices <laughs> and they want they want collect collect one here and there and yeah yeah i mean there there's some people that just uh you know maybe they're single and they don't have wives to yell at them or husbands to yell at them or <laughs> yeah i mean disposable income you know people with families that like to buy a little piece every year or, yep. it's it's a good time man it's uh it's, it's very wholesome you know it's always fun yep good fun um but i mean there are plenty of ways of making a living as an artist but you know it's it i recommend it to people a lot who are starting out um it's something that even though it's no longer a foundational part of how i make a living it's it's a great uh, a great way of uh starting out because like like you mentioned earlier publicity i mean you get the last show that I did, there were over 300,000 people that walked through. Um, and, you know, if your location and your booth is good, pay the extra money for the corner booth and get that extra flow of traffic. It's, uh, it's excellent. I mean, you can, 
you know, somebody out of 300,000 people are going to, they're going to want to buy your artwork if it's, if it's decent, that's good. So, yeah, no, that sounds good. Yeah. Because what the alternative is you can make a website, but if nobody knows who you are, who cares? Right. That's exactly right. And even, even uh, some of the craft uh, auction sites like Etsy or whatever, like that's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, everything's, by who you know right you don't Correct. get surfaced to the top for nothing you have to earn it somehow right. so yeah it's like i always think of it as like being a musician and going on tour you've got to play in front of real people in order to sell your 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 digital assets or your uh well nowadays especially since you can't really sell music but uh you know your merch or what have you so it, yeah. it helps no that's uh that's a good way to look at it not everyone can be like Doug Linker and develop this huge following on YouTube and make money from that, right? Well, that's yet to happen. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's a good, it's a, you know, there are different strokes for different folks. I tell you, I was uh, at the campground. I carved two things at the, at the camp and what, it, it's so great. I just sitting there, by the fire carving that's my new favorite thing carving outside just uh just relaxing it was so nice to have nothing to do and then you ever, just see, that you ever see that giles newman or giles i don't have no idea how to say oh his. yeah for sure yes remember when he used to only carve out in the bush as you call yep. it outside yep. in the tent yep. yeah he is uh he's fantastic and yeah. everything he uses a mora 120 knife to carve everything and it's usually the old old oak that he's carving so his yeah. pieces take hundreds of hours even i mean he's incredible I and mean, just look at this guy's detail the most impressive part about it to me is like how tiny his works are they're just they're minuscule and how much detail he gets i mean he oh gets yeah crazy crazy detail in these tiny little ornaments yeah. and like that's such a that's such a patience game. I would uh, I would snap those things off so fast with my clubby hands and hurry, hurry, break, and then be in the fire. I know. I'm the same way. It's a, I think, uh, I mean, I can see how you could get caught up in it, but at just at this size, I mean, at this size, if you look at it in scale to his hand, it's like, it's hard to see in that picture, but it's incredibly detailed. It's yes, worked. but being 50% audio, I'm going to try and... Uh, I'll try and uh, explain what you're showing. <laughs> oh, yeah, you try, try it. I want to see how you can explain this via audio. Yeah, that's almost impossible. But basically, it's a, was it a bull elk with yep. a tree root uh, spoon bottom? It's amazing, regardless. How about you just go to Instagram and look up uh, Giles Newman? Yeah, B I L E S underscore N E W M A N, like Newman. But there's something that I really appreciate about him is just using that Mora 120, that Mora knife. That's that's all knife. he uses. That's all he uses. Oh, that makes me no. dislike him actually. Yep, no chisels, no nothing. You see, when he teaches a class, he'll sharpen up a dozen Mora 120s, and here we go. And I really, I I don't know why. There's something about me. I really love that that minimalist, just just the knife thing. Yeah, it's and, like, yet, and yet, yet I always get caught up into the other tools too. Right. But you, there's, you can make a way. You can make a way with one tool. 
It's just right. so much practice. No, definitely. Uh, there's something about just getting, you know, getting getting something out of, of just one tool that's uh, really impressive. Yeah, I, I did a video once on uh, I call it I think it was carving junk wood with just the knife. So I think I had like a leftover piece of I think it was even burnished piece from IKEA furniture that didn't get used, just like a piece of pine or whatever they use had yeah. holes drilled in it's just leftover scrap from ikea box right and i took the mora 120 and i carved the uh, little man out of it yeah and i mean it, it worked and uh, i i really liked it but it's just a thicker knife too so there's a whole new you're not doing those big slices you're taking smaller bits at a time because you're not getting those through slices you know i'm shocked that he doesn't use a just a, a carving knife with a, you know, where you have the edge of the blade is just, it's just one straight edge from the back of the blade, the dull side to the front sharp side. There's one straight, you know, edge. Well, so no, level. no, I, I don't agree with that because that's how, this is why you use gouges to do uh, inside corners and stuff, but you need that more 120 has got a bit of a belly that you can kind of roll that knife and, and create a round, whereas you can't oh. do that with a straight blade oh i see you just chatter into nothing you're you're, you're out you can't do with a with a straight blade you need a little bit oh, of a right a little bit of a belly that you can kind of roll your knife and even that's not the easiest thing to do i know what you're talking about no i guess i just meant like the way that the grind is on him i was just saying it's it's amazing that with that tall bevel he's managing to get all those details like yeah it's it's an amazing point on that blade is it uh, he probably carves most of his work in the in the top half inch. Yeah. That last little tip. Wow. Yeah. Pretty incredible. Yeah. And you know, there's there's a bunch of guys like that out there. I've been following uh, picking up some uh, Russian carvers lately. Really? On Instagram. And just here and there, I couldn't tell you any names off the bat, but a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, the not uh, what's the, no not mannequins. What's the uh, little uh, Mannequin, no, you know what I'm saying. Oh, oh, uh, oh, uh, gosh dang, the puppets. Marionettes. Marionettes. Yes. And uh, there's some super talented Russian guys up there at the, on Instagram. It's so fun to watch them work. And the, they do things probably totally different than we do here. Like they use a lot more chisels and gouges. You hardly see knives in their hands. Huh. Yeah. And you'd think, especially with those guys, because they're holding the work while they're carving, they wouldn't want to have these long shaft tools. Yeah, they seem to work, do a lot more work against a, a, a bench or against a block. Hold, right. Still hold it, holding the work, but pushing into a block. Right. So when the, when, the, when the chisel goes through or the gouge goes through, it just goes into that block and they just keep turning their work against a solid block. It's kind of a neat way to do it. Yeah. Well, didn't you get something for, did you get your, well, you probably didn't because you said it'd take a while, that tool for making shoes, uh, wooden shoes. No, I didn't get that. Yeah. No, no, I did get this week though. Not that the, uh, I have no what to do with it, but I did get a fun little tool this week and that is the, made by Gramercy and it's a two finger spoke shave. What on earth? It's got two little finger loops on either side. 
instead of the big uh, the big draw uh, sorry draw knife I said spoke shape it's a draw right. knife right but the uh, instead of the big handles on it this is just a very very small little uh, two finger draw knife how cute isn't that cute what on earth what would you do with it I well I'll tell you someday <laughs> made in the USA by Gramercy G R A M M E R C Y but it's adorable cool. It's very cute. I like it. I, I kind of want one, even though I have no idea what I would do with it. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. No, yeah. I've been trying to. I've been trying to make do. You, uh, you introduced me with to this accelerant, and I've I, you know for years I refused to use it. And I think I mentioned it in the last show, but I've had ample opportunity over the week breaking things off to use that spray accelerator for the super glue to oh to yeah yeah instant yeah. repairs that's a game changer yeah. yeah it's like i don't have patience for a 60 second dry time give me that five second drive time give me that time. two second time that's right yeah exactly yeah spray it and go it is yeah. nice though not to have to wait i was i was fortunate to find it i hadn't really seen i saw some guys on youtube using it in the past too but I had never seen it for sale anywhere. And then there's a store we have here, Busy Bee. Yeah. And uh, they make a bunch of tools and they happen to carry it. So, yeah, I, I bought it too. So it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so name of the game is try to make things as efficient as, as possible. If you're trying to sell artwork, you know, to try and to, to not to not waste any time it's uh it's like when you're in the shop and you're working you just want to be working you don't want to be dilly-dallying for you as far as i'm concerned especially when it's like right up before these big events you gotta hustle hard and make as much art as you can so last week you spent a lot of time on the uh the cedar the cedar carving there yeah did you uh you didn't bring that to sell did you i did bring it to sell and it's gone someone picked it up really yeah, it's a funny, it was a collaboration with uh, Abby Peterson, and I mentioned him, he's a great carver, you know, he did the whole rough end for this, I don't know, I want to say three and a half foot or more tall cedar carving of a, of a Native American face, this beautiful Native American uh, kind of like uh, theme that he, he conjured up with this, uh, I don't know if it's a plains thing, I've seen it before where there's an eagle on its, on the hat. But he like a, a caped a caped eagle right i don't know what it was but it's kind of like caped over the head like right that. right yeah yeah and so he blocked everything in this beautiful form and then i roughed in the face and 35 remaining minutes and we did an hour long challenge video and uh but he said you know I, I told him i'd give him half of it up front and i told him i called him after the end of the show and said hey buddy we sold it and he said all right take my half put it in an envelope and use it to pay for a trip for you to come down and carve with me. If you don't come down and carve with me by March, you're going to write March on that envelope. That way you remind yourself, you come down and you bring me that you send that cash to me. Then <laughs> it's like, well, that's, yeah. that's pretty, that's cool. So, uh, so I'm, I'm sure you'd go you, you, like to do that anyway. Yeah. I'd wanted to go down there. So, uh, oh, that's fun. but, uh, yeah, he's he he's just a, the idea of uh, Carver being able to to do what he can do, and you know, even with the materials that he uses, it's like I can't 
I cannot imagine uh, being able to remove as much stock as he does. I mean, it's a, it's crazy. It's absolutely. Yeah. So then other than that, uh, cedar, did you have any other uh, actual like wood carvings or was it mostly bark carving? Um, I had a, a cedar woman that wasn't finished, but a white cedar face that I've had sitting around the shop for gosh, maybe four years or, or longer. And um I, I didn't have it marked for sale but i brought it and put it on a pedestal uh i had a that i had a butternut carving of edison which is uh probably sitting in this box next to me i wonder if i can it's another great visual reference for uh those who are watching via uh, or listening right no it's yes. not in here but I was carving like a banshee during the show. I got a commission, a couple of people that commissioned one who just blatantly dropped out of the show or basically stopped talking to me as soon as I finished with it. And, and then I, I was working on this guy during the show. Oh, that's fantastic. So I'm hoping to I have to finish this before the weekend along with my staff. And uh, so I've got a ridiculous amount of stuff to do. That butternut is a nice one to carve. Somebody sent me some pieces once, but uh, that's an endangered tree here. Is it? Yeah, we don't. Uh, I know of uh, a couple, but if I said out loud where they were, they would. The conservation authority would probably go and monitor them year to year. Right. So I'm just keeping them in my back pocket because it's on somebody else's property, but. Uh, Hard to tell the difference between a walnut tree and a butternut tree. Oh. Especially the leaves are identical. Are you trying to create an alibi for when you accidentally cut a butternut <laughs> tree down to carve it? No, I'll never cut it down. I just, uh, you know, you don't want people always on your property and checking out, uh, watching sure. the tree. But yeah, it's endangered, so you can, you're, not, you're not to cut them down. So... But I see it's very, very affluent in the States. So I don't know what the big deal is here, but. Yeah, I don't know what it is. We don't have, a, we, we, you know, I guess there's something to do with a, a worm that eats them. They put holes in them. And most of the butternut, even down here is, is wormy. So I know it's hard to find good, clear butternut, even in the States. Mm. But yeah, it's bad. I love it. I think it's my favorite hardwood to carve outside of, uh, you know, what what else would it be even white pine i love right now but yeah it'd probably be between butternut and uh black walnut maybe or or uh, birch yeah well the the butternut's got a very strong grain right it does but you know i'm sure you've carved it before but it doesn't uh fight you as like like no it doesn't fight you but but on your finished work you really see the grain right right yeah, yeah especially yeah. with the clear coat on it yeah pulls it out that said do you finish your carvings my carvings do you put a finish on your carvings oh yeah yeah okay i mean yeah not all of them but i'm still experimenting and you know this but i go back and forth between using these paste this this paste that i have it's like a shoot cream yeah. really, and uh lacquer I've tried other water-based finishes and oil-based finishes. And the only other finish that I use regularly is a spar uh, urethane um, that is for like outdoor stuff. But 
mostly yep. deft satin brush on lacquer for the bark carvings. And then I use this paste wax when I want a lighter color. Yeah, that's what I found. I, I use the paste wax just because most of the finishes and the oils included, they just, they darken the bark so dark, so fast. Yeah. Right. The paste waxes seem to just keep it a little bit lighter than the, than the uh, oils and the lacquers. So. Makes a huge difference for some reason. I'm not sure if it's because of how the, the finishes penetrate more than the waxes do, but. For sure. That's what it, that's all it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah, wax are, are mostly topical with a little bit of, uh, they bite in a little bit, but they're mostly topical. Right. That's why you have to put another coat on your furniture or whatever every year and stuff like that. So, yeah. Is that what you use? I have been using a, a Minwax paste wax. Uh-huh. Yeah, just, just from the hardware store. Works great. I tried the Howard's Feed and Wax and some uh, linseed oils and stuff, but like I said, they just go dark, dark, dark. Yeah. So too dark, really. So Yeah. When I do use the Howard's, it's because I've already finished it with depth, and then I touch it with just the tiniest bit to give it a luster. And man, that, that's a nice, very warm, dark, but warm effect. It's, I, I think it's beautiful, but it doesn't always suit every carving if you don't want it to be dark. No, probably shouldn't go with the deft unless it's a lighter wood. The Howards, I'm really loving the Howards just on a, a little little character, guys. Right. Like when that stuff dries and you kind of give it a quick buff, I have a little shoe brush and I just give it a buff after it dries. But it, it, for some reason, it almost feels soft in your hand. You know what I mean? It just feels soft. It's, a, it's such a nice finish. And yeah. I hate I hate shine of any kind like any any shine of a finish right so that's just perfect matte smooth yeah i love it yeah no there's nothing wrong with that absolutely nothing wrong with that <clears throat> so i was watching a video today um oh i've totally lost your audio having technical difficulty my back. <laughs> my back here yeah there you are oh i see it's saying the internet's unstable uh oh so i so thought of you so no, i thought of you today you, i saw a video. You, you missed a lot of that you started watching a video and that's where we that's where i lost you so i started watching a video uh today about why builders use nails as opposed to screws and he Put a screw in a two by four and whacked it with a hammer he said most houses they they tend to move and kind of shear you know the uh, uh shift i mean and so if a house shifts and it's held together with a screw he had he whacked that screw and it busted the screw and he said it'll bust the the connection of the of the materials and he used a nail he nailed that into the two by four and whacked on that and that that bent over as many times as you whacked it, that softer metal it works better. And with the movement of apparently the settling of a house, he said it's much better, you know, type of uh, situation. Thought that was interesting. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It's uh, I prove that all the time. Every time I get a, a funny screw, I just hit it once or twice and I snap the screw off and carry on. But the, the real reason now, let's not get too carried away. If you're building a house, 
the cost of a three and a half inch screw versus a three and a half inch R-Dock spike right. is astronomical. Yeah, is that <laughs> it so? Even, it'd, be, it'd be hundreds and hundreds of dollars more, but a spike is, is faster than a screw. It's R-Dock, meaning it has, it will turn into the wood. Oh. And uh, a lot of screws have a little uh, spacer on the top, the little of a shank. Right. And on the thickness of the wood you screw, there's play in there too. So we've always used nails. It seems to be a lot of the, the maker movement really, and I, I use more screws now than ever before, but I never ever used to use screws at all. Like, you know, 15 years ago, everything was nailed together. Right. The screws have really uh, became part of the, the home uh, home hobbyist type thing, you know? Right. So. Yeah, and and that, that makes sense. I, I suppose the better screws that don't shear and bust like that are probably really expensive. And then you've got. You I wouldn't even know. What they, I wouldn't even know what they were. Right. Because if they're, if they're softer, you're going to spin them out when they, oh, when, they right. uh, when they restrict. Like I, I, I bust the screws just trying to get it through something hard. Right. So, so that's a real, that's a brittle screw, but a softer screw would probably just spin out on you. Right. So, so there you go. That's your construction fact for the day. <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm learning about this because I'm starting this sauna project and I haven't, I've got the base for it, but I haven't yet started to, you know, build the walls or the, the roof or anything so i've got a friend coming out to help me with it in a few weeks and uh we're just in the drawing phases of it but the plan is to have it done before winter so we can you know sit in that thing and 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 try try and remember what it's like to feel warm we get so cold up here right well, you not, not the last couple of weeks has it no it's been beautiful the last couple of weeks you can't well, you say beautiful i say awful <laughs> Oh, I hate the heat. Oh, is it hot there now? Very hot. Did you get those storms last night? Um, we got a little train, you know, a a sprinkle here and there, but I didn't see anything significant. We had some really major thunderstorms last night, which I thought was going to cool it all down, and it did until this morning, and now she's right up hot again. Oh, really? Yeah, but. Yeah, yeah, no, we've stayed pretty cool the last week. We've been in the 70s most of it. Uh, we we might have jetted up into the you know lower 80s, but it's been nice. I mean, the, the show I did last week is traditionally the just an absolute you know feels like you're sitting in an oven on high, but no, it was great this past week. So we're we're blessed in that regard for sure. I've dabbled with the idea of a sauna. My wife yeah. would. My wife would love to have a sauna. Yeah. And uh, I think I'd like to have a sauna. Yeah. It's definitely but, doable. What? But it's one of those things that you really need to try it a lot more before you go in, before you're all in. It's like the people that uh, buy a hot tub for $10,000 and then it sits there. No one uses it. I talked to two people this weekend at the camp, and then both of these guys have in-ground swimming pools, and they say the, the kids never swim in the pools. Oh, well, only when company comes over they go swimming. Spoiled uh, brats is what I say. Well, I'm like I don't know what I want to invest in really anymore because uh, I don't. I didn't really want the electric heater 
I yeah. kind of like I kind of like the idea of the wood fired sauna. Oh yeah. That said, then that becomes a whole routine. Like that's a that's a whole event now, right? So it's well, like you don't you don't have that quick sauna every night either, right? So. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like the it's like the 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 fur. It's like would you rather heat with wood or you have a furnace? It's like well, both there's efficiency to one, but there's convenience to the other it's like you got to weigh out your uh your your pluses and minuses i mean if i had the setup for it i'd heat with wood in my house for sure i mean it's awesome well that's all we use here are you serious yeah really yep i'm 15 years in this house just heating with wood wow that said this may be the first year if i don't get my button gear and give my wood i got wood cut I just got to get it here, but uh, I've been really uh, procrastinating. I got to get it home and get her stacked up out here, but it's dry. Yeah, yeah got, uh, got, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I didn't really realize it while I was building the house. I did like building code. We had to put ductwork in for a furnace, but so I do, I do have an electric furnace as a, as a backup. So just in case we go away for two weeks and everything's not going to freeze. But the uh, uh, the bonus that I, when building this house that I never thought about, we have like a, a midnight cook stove, but it, not your typical uh, fancy nickel plated cook stove. It's kind of a more, I don't know, less glamorous cook stove. But yeah. the trade off is we have a large firebox, whereas the other cook stoves have really small uh, fireboxes. So uh -huh. we have an oven. We have an oven and a warming tray in our on our wood stove but the what i'm saying is there's four bedrooms upstairs here and i was always concerned about them but the stairwell is central in the middle of the house and it's perfect the heat just goes right up the stairs and it heats all the bedrooms evenly and that's what i was concerned about so yeah the only cold place is actually the basement huh. so yeah it's really nice that works out well yeah, I've always thought about how neat it would be to do that. And then the reason why is because when I moved into this house, it was outfitted with a pretty decent um, wood burning stove. But the problem was it was taking up the uh, so much space in the living room. I, I have a living room the size of a, I mean, I don't know, probably the average sunroom. It's just a tiny house. It's a 800 square foot house um, in the summer when uh, everything's fully expanded uh, from moisture, but it's a, it's a tiny little, you know, living room and this thing took up so much space. I had to get rid of it, but um, I thought about leaving it there and heating exclusively with wood since that's what the guy who lived there before me did, but yeah. here we are. Yeah. Sophie's other complaint is that she never gets to wear her uh, sweaters. I, I always, uh, I take pride in just cranking it up in here. So <laughs> I'm wearing shorts in the house in the middle of winter. Oh yeah. I keep her hot. Eat well, supper, eat supper, fall asleep on the couch because it's so hot. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That sounds yeah. kind of nice. There, yeah. Well, there's a, there's a thing I, when I was, I was visiting uh, my buddy's grandpa in, uh, Linköping in, uh, Varna. It's, a. Uh, uh, Sweden, uh, like a little su suburb of Stockholm. And he had this mill on his property. He had built these five homes on 300 acres or hectares or whatever they called there. 
Um, so what is that like 600 acres here? Um, he did everything with wood and he had the, the, the sawdust. He would, he'd tow it over to his, uh, his basement where he had this pile and a conveyor belt that carried the sawdust from the pile to his wood burning furnace, which oh, yeah. ran duct work through the house and a fan. It, it looked like basically a regular furnace, but instead of gas, it was run by sawdust. And I was thinking like, why don't we have that here? Well, a lot of the, not, not, nothing, uh, nothing in town, but a lot of the farmers out here have the uh, external wood furnaces. Oh. Where they, and they can put in like, I, I, probably five or six, four to, four to five foot logs in these outdoor furnaces. And they'll be good for days. Days that they can just load it up. And, uh, yeah, and I, think it go, I think it works by water. Huh. And then they have a little. Uh, oh, right, a boiler. Well, yeah, they just uh, the water circulates, and then uh, the fan unit in the house with a uh, what do you call it? Like a, not not a radiator. What do you call the the plenum anyway? With the uh, the coils, and it blows the oh. heat out of it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's cool. That's a neat idea. It's like that radiant heat. A lot of people have that. Uh, that's efficient that heating that's built into the floor too with those tubes heated coolant yeah that's neat yeah as long as you don't drill a hole through it when you're uh installing uh stuff my in-laws did that did they really yeah of course it's in the cement and oh. uh yeah they couldn't get the work proper but anyway that's another story that's a nightmare yeah, I never really thought about that, but I guess you can't drill into your floors, but seldom do I drill through mine. Well, I guess I can't say that because of all the stuff I've had to do to my house, but I've probably drilled in more than the average person has. Uh, <laughs> I bought a heap, so. You bought a what? A heap, a, a, a pile of junk. So when you have uh, 18 babies at your house, you're going to be able to, you have room to expand? Well, I'm thinking you know, I can fit at least nine of them in the attic room and yeah, probably the other nine in the bedroom. So good, good. Should be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got to move out. This house is already getting too small. I mean, I've just completely filled it with junk and I've got a housemate, but it's just, uh, I love the, I, I love the, the aspect of minimalism. If it was just me living here, I wouldn't ever move out, but being that I want to have a family and kids, like you say, it's like 800 square feet doesn't cut it. You can, uh, you can jack up your shop and take it with you though. Eh? That was the plan. But when I did this, the, the bigger it got, the more this old Italian builder helped me, the, the more extravagant all my ideas became, uh, the less I felt like moving it. So will I end up moving it? I don't know. It's, it's huge. I mean, I mean, it's 12 by 16, right? So it doesn't have that giant of a footprint, but it has proper eight foot walls and a vaulted ceiling and it's just full of junk. And um, yeah, I mean, the idea is to be able to trailer it out. I, I called a, a company that said that they would move it for, uh, you know, for a decent price, uh, 350 miles, you know, for a base hmm. rate. But will I do it? That's the question. We'll see. Yeah. 
I'll probably end up renting this place. I think that's probably that's probably the thing to do with a tiny little house like this in this market. Yeah. Yeah. But anywho. Yeah, I digress. But yeah, so it's off to uh it's off to uh to, to art show number two of the of the week and I am, uh, I have to say, I'm, I'm trying, I'm starting to think about, tell me what you think about this, but I, you know, I'm self-employed completely. Um, and, uh, there's beauty in working no normal hours. I imagine I've never done it once. I've never worked like a normal shift. It's always like, you know, start at 10 AM work until 11 or until your girlfriend yells at you, you know, or something like I've never had like normal hours. There have been times in my life where I've scheduled, like, you know, I've, you know, for maybe a year, I did the 6am to 4pm thing. But yeah. I was thinking I was listening to an interview of uh, all people Eminem. He was saying, uh, that, well, actually, it was an interview of uh, uh, Akon, the guy who signed Eminem. He, he said, when I first worked with Eminem, he started at nine and left at five. And when I showed up at 6pm to the studio, he I called him, I was like, where are you at, man? He's like, I'm home. I already finished up. He's like, wow, this guy works a normal shift. And he said the next day he shows up at nine and at 5 PM, they're just getting going. They're in the groove. They've got this sweet track they're playing and, and you know, five o'clock comes around he's like, yeah, man. All right, well, we'll pick this up tomorrow. And Akon's going, what the heck? You're, you're in the flow state, man. Get finish this song up. He's like, no, man, I treat, I treat this like a normal job. I don't blow it up to anything more than it should be. I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to make it something that I hate doing. Well, and that just was like, you know, mind blowing to me. It's like, you always hear about, you know, if you've been on Instagram and you follow any of these like influencer people or YouTube influencer people, they're constantly talking about how if you want to have success, you need to work 18 hours a day. It's like, yeah. I don't know, man. I'm kind of liking this idea of just uh, working the normal, normal hours in a week. I think the 6 a.m. till noon, I get far more done than I would get in twice as much time in the afternoon. Really? Yeah, I just love that morning, 6 till 12. That's Dude, that's, the, really that's my that's my sweet spot. I love it. It's uh, yeah, many afternoons I'm just dragging and like, I don't, you know, I lost my oomph for the day, you know? Yeah. I could just post from there on. But right now I work, uh, well, too many jobs and uh, I've just got too much on my plate. So Eminem could say that, but hopefully he can shut his brain off. Right. I can't shut my brain off. That's my other problem is even if I'm not doing anything, I'm stewing and stressing about something that is out of my hands for, it could be days, but I'm still mulling it over and thinking it. And, you know, a lot of times when it comes to actually doing it, I don't have to think on the job very much because I've already done it in my head 25 right. times. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a blessing and a curse really. So, yeah. You look, you look good when you go to do the job because you're not really thinking too much about it. The truth of the matter is you've been laying in bed at night thinking about this job for the last you know, two weeks or whatever, and it's been driving you crazy. So, Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, I mean, and then there's the other side of it, of having the regularity of uh, a schedule, you know, like a, a nine to five. It's like some people work better at night, right? You, some people aren't like you or, and, you know, they're more extreme than me. They probably start at, well, I can think of at least a couple of artist friends of mine who are sculptors. They get up at three and they work until 4 a.m., 3, 4 a.m. And then they go to bed and start again. So I think that's just for the story. You wonder, don't you? I do. I do. I think that's a bunch of malarkey. That's just mm -hmm. got to be so they can have, tell their artist story. Don't you think? Well, you know, I would say that's that's possible for a lot of people. They're just trying to get attention and it sounds cool. But I don't know. I remember my mom growing up. She would she would she was a florist. And there's some degree of artistry, I think, in being a florist for sure. And she would sit there in the basement working only you know 10 p.m and later the 10 p 10 p.m was her start time and she'd go until one or two in the morning if ever i couldn't sleep she'd be down in the basement making arrangements yeah that's because you're that's because she finally got you out of her hair <laughs> and she could actually focus on what she wanted to do without little alec driving her crazy right touche touche so they are they ever tell you i think i might have told you a story but i'll tell you again anyway the uh, artist story about a renovation I once did. No. So the uh, I was hired to do a bathroom renovation one time, and but, but don't think bathroom. Think bedroom-sized bathroom. Okay, very large bathroom, and I gutted that whole bathroom to to studs, drywall, taped it. I built the uh, built in the whirlpool jacuzzi, tiled it built the vanities, built a, a mirrored a cupboard uh, medicine cabinet, and I don't know, a few other things, trimmed it all out, wainscoting, and then they hired this painter. Now, this painter was an artist, but he, but he was a painter, you know what I mean? And he had a story, and he was going to, he had his university degree in such and such, and he would just talk so freely and about how he just loves to work with his hands and he's just a real painter, you know, a painter at heart, even with his university degree. And that, <laughs> that sucker made as much money painting the walls in that bathroom as I did doing all the work because they bought his story. Oh, and that's what I, that's a real uh, artist gimmick is to come up with a story that makes it a little bit more interesting. Like the... <laughs> Oh, I only work from 3 a.m. till 5.30, you know. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's <laughs> upsetting. That makes me angry. Yeah, I'll never forget that job. That was, uh, I couldn't believe it. Had I known they were willing to pay so much, I maybe it's maybe it's on me. I should have right. just jacked my rates times four. Right. I probably did eight times the amount of work as this one guy did going in to do a paint job. Like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. You gotta but, come yeah. up with some story next time you do that. Need a, need, a, need a line, yeah, yeah. Well, I just, I just love creating bathroom renovations for little old ladies with lots of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got to be better than that. It's got to be like yeah. I grew up on a farm and I, I just, uh, you know, I was kind of alone in the world and all I had were these two hands and this hammer. Yeah, yeah. And, and and it, I, it brought me from a deep dark state of 
of hopelessness to, to light and purpose in the world. And now I there's do it as a way of expressing my love for people. And yeah, yeah. Keep going. <laughs> I have a marketing degree. I don't know much about building, but I can I can make up a lame story that might work, you know? Yeah. No, but truly all a marketing degree did i i didn't even graduate so i technically don't even i shouldn't even say i have the degree i have a i, I probably barely eked out a an associate's proper but uh i didn't get all the way to my uh four year because uh i was well a i was broke because college is so expensive but b and i, well, I was and i was paying for a renovation of my house and doing the renovation of my house while running my business and going to school paying cash out of pocket for it and so i was like something has to go. But my larger point here was marketing school was, uh, it was kind of depressing because what it basically boils down to, what marketing boils down to is word of mouth is number one. It's the most effective way of selling anything is word of mouth. How do you achieve word of mouth being a good marketer? Well, you make a really good product. Do marketers make the products? No. The engineers, the, manuf you know, the manufacturers, those who actually are involved with their hands in making the product great, those people create happy customers, which create positive word of mouth. And that has nothing to do. That excludes marketing. So the more I learned about marketing, the more I learned about psychology of sales and, uh, and, and, and business acumen and how to behave in a workplace, the, the less and less I wanted to have anything to do with it. I mean, yeah. I enjoyed the psychology of it. I enjoyed learning about it. It was like, if you're going to be an artist and sell art, make good art, people will talk about it. If you're going to be a builder, um, make nice houses, people will buy them. People will tell their friends, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. But then there is something to be said for the story, right? Like, if you can tell a good story, that will propel your marketing, right? That's probably the number two thing is if, it's, if number one is creating a really great product and, and, and it's spreading by word of mouth, probably the second thing has to be, you know, make, you know, concentrate, you know, your story down to, to a very simple thing so that you can communicate it to people. It's like yeah. you get paid three times whoever did the hard work. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well i think we just won't run out of our time already yeah that goes quick eh it does it does have you uh, been watching anything fun or interesting uh, media wise or you've been taking anything in um yeah i guess just mostly uh i've been listening to a lot of this really embarrassing it's kind of embarrassing but kind of not at the same time because they're amazing uh it's a, a girl, kind of a pop band uh, named the Jap, uh, Japanese House. And they write these songs that are, uh, they're really catchy and they're upbeat. And I was introduced to him by a friend. He sent me their album. He bought it for me back before I had Spotify. And he said, you know, listen to this on your way up to visiting me in North Carolina. And I listened to it on the way up. And I was like, this is the lamest music I've ever heard. This is like girl pop why, why would you think I, and then on the way back i was like we don't talk anymore <laughs> you know i'm just kind of well, singing along every yeah. lyric watch the copyright yeah yeah exactly so uh anyway but yeah i've been listening to them i've been listening to uh 
you know, some, some kind of more basic uh, acoustic stuff, but what about you? Well, if you're bold enough to talk about your girl bands, your girl <laughs> pop bands, I'll tell you what I discovered on a, and I went, and I took, again, I took this on a whole YouTube tangent. ABBA. Oh. Back. 40 years later, they've just created new music. Wow. And it sounds just like the 1978, 79 music. It can't be the same guys. Same people. It's amazing. So, again, I went on these tangents of watching uh, people react. You ever see, I, I think we talked about this last time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So, this is reaction videos to their videos. And all these people are, they're basically all my age. And then the memories and the feelings that people were all crying and just can't believe that Abba's back. And that, <laughs> oh, it was, it was so, it was good. It was good, really. But, uh, you know, when I was a kid, ABBA to us that wasn't cool we were we were uh rock and roll heavy metal we couldn't listen to ABBA right right but I guarantee you everybody at my age loves ABBA right. secretly yeah how can you not secretly everybody loves ABBA but yeah they're back so they've created a show because they're all they're old now but they've created a show they have built an arena in England and they're having a, a show there with ready for this yeah. Avatars. What the heck? They're doing a live show with avatars with the new music of their, you know what I'm saying? Avatars? Avatars. So they're they're created this show with avatars, but the joke is avatars. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness. So but what does like, that mean? There are people standing in their place or no that's all projection stuff it's oh. all so highly digitalized oh. that it's their old faces singing their new songs because oh they're all gosh. like 70 years old now right oh uh, what a that's kind of weird that would just show up as an old person you know that's what i i, I kind of wanted that too but i guess that's what they're doing and uh, they showed the behind the scenes how they wear those little suits with all those little uh sensors and stuff and uh they just digitalize it it's like a uh, some like it's from like it's movie technology that they've created all this uh this stuff but it's pretty pretty cool pretty wild but they built a yeah. 3000 seat uh, arena just for this show which is wow. going to probably go on for years but anyway the fact that they came back and made new music after 40 years since their last album is pretty pretty wild what was their big hit what was abs Big hit. Oh, there's there's fifty of them. Countless. The what? They have like what was their like most famous? Like if I were to look up ABBA right now. Oh, you like Chiquita, Fernando, uh, Dancing Queen. Oh, that's right. Oh, there's miles they, of them. I think they're a Swedish band. No, thought they were a Swedish band. Swedish, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they uh, they had a couple of hits before, but they they uh, they won the uh, Eurovision Song Contest, which kind of propelled their career. Now you know about the Eurovision Song Contest, right? Uh, no, I don't. No, you don't. Okay, so 
it's a whole uh it's like uh america's got talent alliance europe's got talent by country and it's, really? it's every it's every year I, I i don't i couldn't tell you how old it is but it's a really old old contest and it's countries and european countries uh contest oh everywhere. so you've never watched that movie i recommend to everybody and their brother is the uh the eurovision the fire saga story with will ferrell oh my gosh <laughs> it's my favorite movie lately but i'm gonna look at that i'll actually look at that that anything with will ferrell makes me happy i've actually watched that movie i hate to say it but i've, I've probably watched it a dozen times now yeah no so, i'm definitely gonna watch what is it called again uh look i'm not sure if it's eurovision the fire saga story uh -huh. Or something along those lines, but no, oh, it's it's so funny. The Fire Saga story, okay. Eurovision Song Contest. The story yes, Eurovision Song Saga. Contest. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. It's great. Oh my gosh, it looks hilarious. This cover photo is like, yeah. Oh yeah, no, it's good. That uh, that girl is a. Uh, She's Canadian too. Is she? Rachel McAdams? Yeah. Yep. All right, I'll watch it. That sounds good. Right. Will you go watch it? And we'll say goodbye. And right. if anybody has any uh, topics for discussion or whatever, they can uh, send us an email at coffee and carving show. Show at gmail.com there you go all right have a good week everybody all right thank you guys